and welcome to Victorious Living Christian Counseling. My name is Crystal Ridland, and I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. Today's topic is a special topic because I'm bringing on some very good friends that I've met at conferences in the past, and um, they are here with me today. It's Deanna Hancock and Patty Foster, and today's topic is going to be on traumatic brain injury. I met these two dear sweet ladies at the American Association of Christian Counseling Conferences two years ago. And um, it was after my niece had been hit. Do you remember that? <laughs> she had been hit by a car and she was in a coma. And it was a very, very hard time for me. And mm -hmm. um, I ended up choosing to go to the conference and I learned so much and what I learned most was their heart for people. And, and we just connected. I would spend long times, probably hours talking to you guys at your booth, just trying to figure <laughs> we out loved it. story. <laughs> um, but you were so encouraging to me in the loss. Um, at that time, my niece was still in a coma and then she ended up passing in December, but it was very helpful for me to, you know, be able to pick your minds and you know, share our hearts and the way you guys prayed with me and just gave me some encouragement during that difficult time. So um, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Mm, great. Well, I'm Dina and we love your heart, Crystal. We always have. It's a magnetic and we're so impressed with all that you're doing with the gifts that God's given you. And the love that you had for your niece was unbelievable. Yes. And for your whole family. So we were honored to be a part of that and uh, loved even the even the journey home for her was still precious. Uh -huh. And we appreciated that. Uh -huh. I um, have a private practice. I also do Christian counseling awesome. in Southlake, Texas, and um, started Hope After Brain Injury in 2011 after I had met Patty. But it was actually the second time I met her. Because the first time was before her traumatic brain injury, and she was a, a DJ on a Christian radio station. And she had interviewed me because I was a first responder to the Oklahoma City bombings, which most people don't remember now, but I remember. Okay. <laughs> and so um, she introduced, uh, she interviewed me there. And then uh, as life kind of went on, I got married. She had had this severe severe wreck and um we were reintroduced six years after her injury and she started talking about traumatic brain injury and it was at that moment that lord said you're going to do this the rest of your life oh, wow. so she inspired me and um i started hope after brain injury and when i started it and i think even now it's the only nonprofit mm -hmm. for brain injury that's faith-based right oh wow that we state. have owned in this country. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we do a lot of fun stuff. And um, I see that on your Facebook page. Like you guys are always doing the funnest things. Like oh, always in the park with people. Like what an encouragement you are to people who are going through a difficult time. And yeah. that to me too. Uh, see, because how important it is. Like, like, you know, Crystal, and like so many of your viewers will know relationships matter mm -hmm. we need each other 
and especially during this tough, tough time around the globe. And so, you know, just like just like Dr. Adams and I talk and and you, Crystal, and everyone, so many different people talking about the power of the nonverbal communication. Because mm-hmm. I, as a brain injury survivor, okay, so I was a DJ before. I've been in media all my life, TV and radio. And then I was killed in a crash when I moved back down to the south, you know, to Texas, after I'd been a, a radio person, morning girl up in, uh, we covered all of northern Indiana, southern Michigan. And so I moved back down to the south. Our Tahoe was rear-ended horrifically by a semi, a tractor trailer rig. Mm. Your listeners will know, viewers will know what I'm talking about. Pulling a trailer full of cars, barreling down the highway 70 miles per hour, not slowing down. As he's approaching this intersection, very busy, all lanes of traffic packed 6.45 in the evening. I mean, you know, come on, Crystal, mm-hmm. 6.45, yeah. people are so busy. You know, they're running errands, going to dinner, picking up the kids. And this guy ended up having five different drugs in his system, talking on his cell phone, totally disconnected from Driving a diesel with that many come drugs. On. The, the semi, yeah. Uh, a tractor trailer rig. Mm. Yeah. I mean, look at that tonnage. Look at the tonnage of of that tractor trailer rig, trailer full of cars Mm. going 67 miles per hour to be Mm. exact. Mm. Okay, look at that tonnage. When it it bombarded Mm. the back of our totally stopped pothole, we all had our seatbelts on, being good law-abiding citizens. And Crystal, for whatever reason, Behind the second seat of, you know, seats there in the Tahoe, that storage area, I had bought flowers for all the ladies in the Bible study. It was our last meeting before taking a summer break. For whatever reason, I took off my seatbelt. I'm sitting behind the driver. You can envision this. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting behind the driver. I take off my seatbelt. Remember, we're totally stopped at yeah. this intersection. So I turn, as I turn, that's when the impact happened. So when the impact happened, then it shot my body like a missile. Remember, I'm behind the driver. Like a missile. It then propelled my body across the Tahoe, out of the back, opposite side. The window designed not to be open. And so that when my right side, this right eye, there's crepe myrtle still inside of me. And when that right side hit, it just began to rip open Mm. everything, raw, flesh, blood, bones, everything that went through, ripped open. And thank the Lord, I have no memory of that. No nightmare to have or to remember. Thank the Lord. So I have found out so much through eyewitnesses, people on the scene, first aid workers, first care, first responders, EMT, the doctors, everyone. And uh, so from there, life not only changed, it came to an abrupt halt. Mm -hmm. 
So God uses us around the world mm. now to truly bring hope. Hope. Mm. What a vitamin. What a medicine. You know, Patty was in a coma for six weeks and um, her total recovery is a miracle because from the incident to when she was discharged from the hospital was only 101 days. And, uh, but the recovery, as you know, with brain injury, it continues way after you're out of the hospital. And so she wrote uh, her story and it's a beautiful book. It's a raw book. Mm. It's a very hope-filled book called Coping with Traumatic Brain Injury, One Woman's Journey from Death to Life. And she also wrote a devotional. Those are the last two books. And the devotional is pretty killer good because it's just a little devotional for the week. And then you have a question for five days and you have this weekend off. And right now she is in the process. She's already written a children's book. It's in the illustration. And uh, she has an illustrator in Australia. And so we're hoping to have that by the ACC conference in Orlando in September. Awesome. We're going to have that done. Yes. I'm excited. Oh, so cool. I read the first book and I'm like in bed reading it and like tears oh, like wow. coming out of my eyes. Because one, it's like oh. super powerful story and so much emotion, like going through what you did. And two, I knew you. So it even made it like, even oh, more. personal, you know, usually you yeah. read stories and you don't know them personally. So I'm reading this book and I'm just bawling. And my husband's like, I don't know why you do this to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> why do you read the husband kinds of books? <laughs> yeah. He always says he doesn't want to watch these drama movies because I'm enough drama for him. Any, any husband or something. Yeah. You know, I pulled up the photos on my website, yeah. pattyfoster.com. I was hoping you would have pictures. Yeah, let me. That, I mean, my... I remember seeing these. They're amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that's the Tahoe mm. that was completely just clamored by that semi. Mm. And then so my body goes into the coma. And so for six weeks, here's one at a distance. I'm a living dead person in the coma. Mm. They're in the acute hospital, and um, the tubes are keeping me alive. And this one is a little closer, so you can see some because it completely ripped open the right side of my head and eyes and face. That right side, the right, um, the bones around my right eye uh, were completely fractured. Wow. And uh, that eyeball was hanging out of its orifice onto the highway to a rapidly growing pool of my own blood. Well over 60% of my blood was gone. Oh and uh, completely, they said, uh, you know, Patty, they said that photo is actually a little better. And I said, what do you mean? Mm. And they said, Patty, your head literally the size of a basketball swollen mm. mm. and only your nose could be seen or recognized. The rest of you, they had completely wrapped in the gauze and, and everything. And uh, everything had been ripped open from the top of my head to the tips of my toes. So not only were fractures all over my bones and my body, but my tissue mm. was completely ripped away. 
and all over that shoulder and down my arms and all the way down my thoracic area, um, the pelvics, all of that were fractured, the femur closed. And my body began, uh, was, was filled with the asphalt from the highway, mm -hmm. the trash, the gravel. Uh, in fact, at that time, crepe myrtle, which is a, a tree, a flowering tree, was blooming at that time. And it was in the median there of the uh, highway, the state highway. And so some of those uh, blooms were actually on the, the ground. On, on the, as my body was going across, they said my body skidded some three stories across the highway and landed in a lane of traffic on the north side of that intersection. So that's actually that crepe myrtle flower that's still inside that area beneath the right eye, but it was all the way across my eye and eyelid and, and forehead and everything was ripped back and raw flesh. Um, so miracles do happen. Mm -hmm. And, and like, like, like Dina said, Dr. Adams has mentioned, as we travel around the world, Crystal, and like you're familiar with these, the stats, you know, that people mm -hmm. will talk about and show and back up different cases and attitudes and things with. Some of the leading researchers in the world of brain injury, when they've been told that I'm in that eight percentile bracket of the severity of brain injury and the high functioning today, some of them have said to me, Patty, I believe it's much lower. Mm -hmm. I believe you're in a smaller bracket of the severity that you suffered and the difficulty and the high functioning you are today. They said, your kind don't live. Right. And when they do live, they cannot communicate, talk, speak, permanent. express. I remember because after my niece was hit, trust me, I was looking up every statistic and it was all hopeless. And um, they kept telling my sister that she had very little brain activity, like almost none. And like hindsight's twenty twenty. like, I don't know what I would have done, but the whole time I just felt powerless because I couldn't make any decisions and thinking about all of that, but like seeing, like, I learned so many things through it that you never even want to know all those things, like the Glasgow score, like it was the highest it could be. What is it like? three is bad or something like she was like she had less than a 10 percent chance of living and um and i was looking at that picture and what was so interesting to me is like you looked literally your body was so beat up my niece looked the same only her face was beautiful she didn't yeah. have anything on her face there was no scratches on her face all the injury was on the back where you couldn't see but she looked lifeless like that and to think about like my niece didn't make it and you did like it's just to me I thought that was interesting but seeing my niece like that was literally I ended up having PTSD over it I didn't realize that I'm a counselor I should have known but yeah. apparently when your counselor's having flashbacks they think they're just having random thoughts yeah <laughs> go wow. figure so wow. I had to go and do some counseling myself but I imagine like your family just had to be beside themselves seeing you like that knowing like when I saw my niece through the door I literally had this like vomit reflex like I'm like I need a pull I couldn't mm -hmm. even handle it 
and my husband literally had to like hold me up. And so I'm thinking like, man, what was your family going through at this time? Because I know you're very close to your parents and do you have siblings? Yes. Older brother. Right. Friends. Right. And, and radio listeners all over because we were inundated with, with so many people we knew. But my family, the, the wonderful thing, I'll say this too, this just crossed my mind, that when my family was contacted, uh, my my one place my dad in another place and so when when they were on their way I have to say this and any law enforcement who listen and connect with you that thank you for you law enforcement who extend that positive nonverbal to those families who are in the midst of trauma um, so that in those moments it's not agitated further but for that instant even though you can't tell the details of where a certain person is or what the shape or situation is, at least that nonverbal can make such a huge difference because I know with my family, with, with friends, with my parents, as they went through the intersection where the wreck had just happened, parts were still fresh on the highway, that the law enforcement working the crash scene were so positive to be a few words, but on that positive side so that their their tone of voice was supportive or their facial expression, their eye language supported, listening, paying attention, helping, touching, um, and and not speeding or overlooking or condescending mm -hmm. or fighting, but very uh, one of those how may I serve you type of mm -hmm. attitude. And so that nonverbal I, I, I cheer on the law enforcement there because I know the, the police department made a huge difference for my family there. The Department of Public Safety made a huge difference for my family there. And those working the scene to help direct traffic and everything that was going on during that time. So my family truly turned to boom, faith. Their personal relationship with God through Jesus was boom, very much on the forefront at the very beginning of the scene. So many people came around. Boy, the power of presence. Talk mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, people just being there, not to talk or fit. Mm. Sometimes just, it's just about being present, being the hands and feet of Jesus and not needing to have an answer, but just to, to love. Huge. And um, so often we think we have to have some, you know, even sometimes we think we have to have a Bible verse or, you know, Bible verses are great, but sometimes what somebody needs is just a hand on the shoulder. I remember my grandma passed away in January um, and God told me to go. Like she was my person as a child. Everybody else in my world was unsafe. I had two safe people. My grandmother was my hero. And then my uncle who came around a couple of times a year, but my grandma, I would talk to her for hours a day. I don't know how she did it. She would just talk to me on the phone for hours a day and she would be like hold on I gotta go tinkle and then she would <laughs> and sometimes she would actually forget that she was on the phone and I would hear her making dinner but like we just had this relationship so losing her was really powerful but it was really hard and I was so glad I had always prayed Lord just help me be there but with COVID I couldn't see her yeah. the last time I saw her was through a window they wouldn't let me in to see her yeah. and and that was in Illinois they're pretty much everything's locked down in Illinois um but like 
going through that process was so hard. <laughs> like you just being in that moment. Oh, and so that's where I was. Sometimes I lose my train of thought, but thankfully the Lord is good and he brings it back. So I'm there and it all happened in an hour. I got there. They told me that she wasn't imminent, that she probably had weeks to a month. And she immediately started to like shut down when I got there. Um, she was trying to communicate, but she really couldn't much. And the whole time I'm like questioning because nobody's acting like she's dying. She's not hooked up to any monitors. And so I tell my husband, I'm like, I think she's going to pass away. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And so then I'm like, let's just keep it peaceful. So anyway, the moment I found out that she like took her last breath and then the nurse came in, she's like, oh, like shocked. I'm like, we tried to tell you, but um, anyway, but that moment she was like, oh, and I just literally, my soul burst open and mm -hmm. I just bawled and bawled and bawled and this complete stranger put her hand on my shoulder mm -hmm. and just was such a like comfort. And mm -hmm. of course my husband was there and then I, you know, <laughs> He was the hands and feet of Jesus. Like he had to hold me for like a month. Yeah. Like I was yeah. into tears, but these yeah. people that are working in these situations have such important jobs and they can be such, I mean, just that I'll never forget that moment of compassion that a complete stranger, you know, bestowed mm -hmm. on me. And I'd never met her before. Yeah. Um, no idea. Yeah. So like, that. Like, yeah. Like Dino works a lot with people and training them about, you know, being, like you said, the hands and feet of Jesus, that power of presence mm -hmm. and, and all that power of, of their words and the nonverbals. I think one of the problems that a lot of people have, and as therapists, we learn the importance of silence, don't we? And how important it is just to let somebody be without judgment, without expectation, without pushy being pushy and um and also trusting that the lord's going to give you the words at the right time the right words and not having to drum it up yourself and so i think that that presence is such a ministry mm -hmm. and that's what she did for you you know yeah she loved on you just a, a simple act and um it's so interesting because it's so much harder to be when you're as a counselor, it's harder to be the one that sits with people in silence. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to just say, Oh, what about this? Or even like, you know, a well-intentioned verse, but a well-intentioned verse at the wrong time can actually do more damage. And so I told my husband, I'm like, you don't understand by the, I see like Monday through Wednesday, I see like anywhere from 10 to 12 people, 12 is the most. I try not to go that high because but after the end of the day, I'm just like numb because I have taken and allowed myself to feel what people are feeling. It would be a lot easier to just be like, hmm, that's really tough. Mm. I've actually had counselors do this. Like they're more like typing on their computer and wanting to make sure they have these great notes. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I feel more hopeless after yeah. talking to you. <laughs> like, mm. yeah. so, right? you. That's the easy way. Give me 80 bucks or whatever. And see you later but to actually feel it and to and that's what makes a, a, a christian counselor a christian individual who has the holy spirit inside of them different than other people because we're actually allowing the holy spirit i had somebody one time he said um he it was actually really cool it was in church and they asked for his testimony 
for people's testimony. And he, I was in the church and he raised his hand and shared his story about how he came to, to know the Lord and walked away from a pretty sinful lifestyle that was, he was about to take his life. He said, I went to this Christian counselor and it was the first time in my 62 years of living that somebody showed me love, that I felt loved. I never had to say anything about his lifestyle. All I had to do is say, I'm a sinner too, and I'm saved by grace and God loves you. And there's victorious living through him, no matter what we've done, no matter what's happened to us, God wants to take us from this moment. And it was just, it's amazing to like hear people. And I'm like, that was God loving you through me. Right. Mm. Um, and it's powerful. And so yeah. mm. um, I remember, I'm going to go back for a minute to, I was listening, I, I read in your book, but I also was in your conference. And I remember this part that keeps standing out to me in your, um, in your testimony was whenever there was some worker and they assess the situation and they try to help the people who have the, the greatest chance of survival first. Do you remember this part? And they pretty much cast you aside thinking that you had no chance to live. I'm, I may be butchering it a little bit, but, and they, and then somebody actually went and paid attention to you. And is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty well on. Okay. Um, yeah, because at first, like you said, they want to pay it, look at the, the, the scene, you know, to see who's able to be saved at that moment. So they, they didn't see my body in the highway at first. So they went toward the median where the Tahoe was. And so they went toward the Tahoe to help anyone in their survivors. I was the only one who had been ejected. The truck that had hit us had ventured north as well but he was to the opposite side of the whole intersection and he was still within his his truck cab as well so they went to work on the people in the actual cabs the actual vehicles and then when some did see me then the emts began to work on my body and um and to see if there's any life in there and, and any purpose. And because as one, one of the eyewitnesses described me, they said, you were a heap of bones and mm. flesh. And he, he is a Marine and also a, a radio uh, fellow as well. But he said, and he had known me for years, but he had no recognition of me. And wow. he said, I knew that that heap of bones and flesh was either dead or would be dead within seconds because the body cannot endure that kind of trauma. When the EMTs, as they worked on me, mm. no pulse to be found, so pulled the white sheet over me, assuming she's dead. Mm. Apparently, as onlookers around the, the scene were, were walking and looking and milling around, one of them heard a gurgling noise come from beneath that white sheet. Oh, wow. So that's when this person yelled and the EMTs working at the scene then contacted the second life flight helicopter, which landed at the scene. When the flight medic and flight nurse are attempting to load my body onto the, the, the helicopter, then my body down, fell into a coma. So for six weeks, I was a living dead person. I have no memory at all. 
when I began waking from the coma, I was downtown Dallas, Baylor Rehab, Gaston Avenue. After having been there about seven, eight, nine days is when I began having my first consciousness or recollection. Nothing was coming back to my mind. It wasn't, hello world, I'm back. Mm. Nothing. Not like TV. No. When you come out of a coma, it's a, it's a more gradual experience. And uh, so that you're there and then you're not there and you're, and you're more alert and then you're less alert until you actually come out of it. And you remember nothing. Yeah. Wow. So they had to reteach me every single basic function of living. I had to learn how to talk how to read, how to write ABCs again, lowercase, capital, how to pronounce them, how to read, how to understand what I was reading, how to chew, how to swallow, how to walk, how to coordinate, move, fine motor skills, big motor skills, every single fake function, nothing came back. And so it was just a long process. And when they they finished the time, and you know how insurances will only allow you there so long. Uh, they moved me via land ambulance to a transitional rehab, which was north of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. For three months, I was there as they taught me to try to regain, you know, how to, to live in the real world again, or how to, you know, brush my teeth or hold a toothbrush or maneuver something. So it was all a massively tough, tough, tough process. You know, where you you want to, you shut down at times, but thank the Lord, I, my family was there. My mom stayed there most of the time and her presence, and they'll tell you the, the staff of the family, the facility of her presence was very, very prime in keeping, causing my insights to fight to live and not to give up, to fall into depression, to give up, to die, to pass away. And encouragement was so important. Yes, massively. Because I was just thinking like, there was one time we had this stomach bug and it was the worst stomach bug I've ever had in my life. And I know you're like, why are you telling me about the stomach bug? But I literally told my husband, I was like, it would be okay if I died right now. Like Uh, it was so awful. I was so miserable. And as I'm thinking about this, like having that memory where that was probably the most miserable I ever was as far as like illness goes and just being like, I wasn't literal, but it was so awful. And I'm just wondering, like you had to even like go through so much and you had to get so frustrated and so discouraged. And so having your mom to like be there in your family I think you had some friends that visited you, if I'm recalling correctly. Oh, yeah, because lots of radio listeners came and they were inundated with emails of listeners and people around the world praying. And uh, and also also all through it, there's also a blessing in in the mind when the brain is hurt because it had no memory of how it was before. So I couldn't be frustrated with not being able to do what I once could do because I didn't remember that that didn't exist that wasn't present that wasn't alive it wasn't functioning it wasn't in process so the only thing that existed to me 
was whatever was before my face at that moment. Mm. If it did not exist before my face at that moment, it did not exist in my mind, in my brain, in my wits, in my memory, in any part of me. Nothing. Nada. So That's you had a- to relearn almost everything. I was thinking about um, when my niece was in the hospital, the second time I saw her, the first time was really traumatic. The second time I went to a different hospital where she was and um, she wasn't responding to us at all. Like, and she had like, she was able to cough. She had those natural reflexes, but that was it. And um, my son and I were both there and she couldn't respond to us, but when she lived with us, when she was good doing her best, she lived with us for six months in Bloomington where we lived. And it was after she actually got hit by the car the first time, had a small brain bleed and some, you know, was in a helicopter and she survived that one. And then she wanted to turn her life around. So she, we brought her there. We loved on her and her kids. And um, so for her to get sick, hit a second time was pretty amazing. And God told me it was going to happen. And I thought nobody gets hit a second time. So this must be my own, you know, thoughts. Cause he said, she's going to get hit. Cause I was praying for it. He's like, she's going to get hit again and she's not going to survive it. So when I've heard about it, I remembered not even two weeks before that God had been preparing me. So anyway, we're in this hospital room, but there was a song when my niece was with me, it was rascal flats. I'm moving on. Mm. And I told her when she was there and she was doing well. And I'm like, Hey, Caitlin, this is your song and Mm. you're doing so well. Like you're leaving the past behind and, and you're, you're introducing into a new future. Like that's the whole point of the song. So I played that song in the hospital room. Her heart rate went up. She started trying to like, you know, she was responding to it. And my son's like, look at that. Like she knew the song, which I thought was amazing because she was not responding to anything else, but her heart rate went up. Like there were these, like, I, I was amazed by that. Like that she power had of music, mm-hmm. the power of music. Yep. And I think that's how she knew we were there. Like, mm-hmm. and um, I also sometimes wonder if she didn't remember, but anything, but maybe childhood, because when her kids were with her, she didn't respond to them which was really weird. But when I got there, she responded to me. Um, and she like, but the God gave her like a final wind. And that's when I went to her and he took away all my fear. I get so afraid when I have to go home because I was so abused as a child. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to my sister's house, her mother, who is terrifying to me, <laughs> like always was very mean to me. Like, and God just said, go to her. And it was like, maybe 10 days before she passed away. And I had no fear for the first time in my life. I went in and I was like, he took away the fear and I prayed with her. I asked her, I was like, do you want me to pray with you? Blink one time for no and two times for yes. And took her a while, but she did too. And I asked her again and she did it again. Before that, she was kind of like fighting with something and uncomfortable and and after that, she was calm and I would play Christian music and she was really calm. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and I'm like, yes, I'm not afraid of my family anymore. But it didn't take long <laughs> before mm-hmm. that kicked back in. But God gave it to me when I needed it. And yeah, so exactly. you guys helped me so much. Um, and I, I think I want to make sure that you you guys 
I know you sure you get told this often because you're doing a great thing the way that you're ministering to people who are hurting and they're in the scariest times of their life whether they're you know caring for or have lost somebody due to a pre uh, traumatic brain injury or if they're going through that themselves like you pretty much minister to all these people and you encouraged me so much the information you gave me to like you know how to like the fact that she could hear like so often I would see people saying things that were just ridiculous because they don't think she's actually there but you can hear you have like your auditory hearing is the last thing to go um mm -hmm. and so like that's when I decided to turn on that song and she was like yeah she connected yeah amazing oh yeah <laughs> you guys helped yeah. me so much work through that God put an amazing counselor in my life who's now like a mom to me and when i went to the conference he put you guys in my life like because that was when it had that was it, only god yeah halfway in between probably three months in and um just the hope that you gave me and the information about how to how to be with her when i was with her was so helpful yeah makes such a difference because like you said hearing is the last thing to go so when you're with someone whether a brain injury or not, any kind of adversity, make sure that your nonverbals match your verbals. In other words, this question of a lifetime hit me probably a year and a half after I began, after the crash, was simply, what does your life say when your mouth is not moving? Mm -hmm. Your choice. Yeah. Because the nonverbals make up like, you know, 90 to 93% of all communication is nonverbal. So it's talking about your facial expression, your eyes, your tone of voice, your speed of speech, your gestures, your touch, the, anything about you, that nonverbal is speaking and affecting. And some 7 to 10% is verbal. So like, like right now, Dina is working on a book helping to teach the whole Christian community around the world of how to truly counsel the brain injury. So as you know, there's a lot of uh, counselors out there and there's some Christian counselors, but very few Christian counselors that know how to work with traumatic brain injury. So I'm writing a book for that. It's called Christian Counseling for Brain Injury Survivors and Their Families. So That's I'm awesome. hoping, yes. I need that. Yes. <laughs> Huge. Because I feel it, um, inept in that area. Like in like I, I've never, I'm sure I've worked with somebody, but never where they've had a really extensive. But what I do know, I've learned from you guys, um, just like knowing that they take a little bit more time to process information. You have to give them more silence in between responses more time to like even everyday functioning they're gonna it's gonna they need to have less on their agenda for the day because they it just they need more rest um just a lot of these different things that i have learned i've learned from you guys so yeah she's taking a lot in didn't nice. she nice. we're very impressed with you right now kiddo and also crystal i'm a learner but yeah. if you ask me what appointment is this afternoon i usually don't remember so <laughs> and lots of resources um, just like you were hinting toward even there is how, how the resources are, are so valuable. But for me, 
I call it my head trauma Bible. It's called Head Injury, The Facts. Excellent. If you can get a hold of this book, get it. Head Injury, The Facts, second edition, out of print, but you can find some used copies on Barnes & Noble, on Amazon. Get that. It's written by three New Zealand doctors. They've taken it, put it into layman's terms. It is incredible. It's like it gets into a survivor's head, asks the question, or the caregiver's mind, mm -hmm. asks the question, or the healthcare person's mind. And it takes you through the whole process from the beginning, throughout, and long term. Mm -hmm. um, and then, oh yeah, and then my book, like you mentioned, Coping with Traumatic Brain Injury, one woman's journey from death to life, like you and Dr. Adams mentioned, and the hope for the journey, that 52-week spiritual journal, one spiritual learning per week. You read the same one every day of the week, and you have a nice challenging question taken from that Devo for each day of the week, uh, but it's for any adversity, and then so many resources on my book page, on the contact page for brain injury resources, Dr. Adams. And hopeafterbrainjury.org has loads of resources as well. And Patty and I have had the great privilege of producing Hope Lessons, which is also on the Hope After Brain Injury website, where we've had different specialists and experts in brain injury share their story and share things that are helpful to them and, and offer hope, educate, equip, and encourage those in the brain injury community and on that journey. Mm -hmm. It's so important because there's, I remember you guys talked about like how there's a lot of things that you can see, right? But there's so much more that we can't. So if somebody has trauma, for example, like most, most people can't see if somebody has PTSD, but I can diagnose them in the, when they're checking me out at McDonald's or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's just yeah. like you just can actually see if they're very guarded or like when you're good at diagnosis, the Holy Spirit lets you know what's broken. Yeah. But um, most people can't see those things. And the same way with brain injury, like you can't see somebody who has a brain injury. And so um, how, how would you like, I know you have to help people on this area because, you know, it's not something that's observable. It's not something you can we can know, so you probably have to ask that on an assessment, like in the medical thing mm -hmm. to know, because maybe they don't tell you, or I actually had a, I've had clients who've had strokes and, um, and it was actually interesting. Suddenly I became a, I wasn't an expert, but I was like, uh, have you ever thought about how this may have impacted your brain? Like you're, maybe you're, you're having an anger issue because of the stroke symptom that you had and he had never really connected that and so I led him to your website and your Facebook page and he said wow like I never even I don't know why nobody told him that but <laughs> he was so thankful yeah so it's so important but yes yes because we've got to learn to to meet people where they are mm -hmm. so we can pay attention to others and quit being so self-absorbed mm. so that we can pay attention to that other person. Mm. Like, like you talk about Dr. Mm. Adams and, and watching mm. how they respond or don't respond or all the nonverbals 
pay attention. I think it's important as it, I know that you'll have some Christian counselors that listen to your podcast. And what I would offer to them is uh, two things. When I first started the field back in the dark ages in the last century, I had a wonderful mentor and she was a Christian counselor. And she said, I do two things. I pray for two things before every session. I pray for wisdom and I pray for hope. Mm. And, um, the, and I, I admired that and I have done it ever since. And then the other recommendation would be do your best not to go in with your own agenda. Let the client bring their agenda. You may have information and you can ask the right questions for them to work it out. But if you go into a session with your agenda, then all of a sudden you're educator instead of a counselor. Mm. So be careful on that. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of two things. Uh-oh. Uh, so I'm kind of thinking about brainwave. <laughs> uh, one thing that came to my mind was have mercy on yourself. Yeah. Don't keep replaying all the negative stuff. Don't keep beating yourself up. Okay. Since this is a Christian program, let me just land down Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse six, the message. Okay, take a Calgon moment in this. Soak in this. Take this home to you, to your heart, to your life. Whoever you are right now. Mm. Be strong. Mm. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. Mm. Don't give them a second thought. Because God, your God, mm -hmm. is striding ahead of you. And he's right here with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So have mercy on yourself. And then something I learned from Dr. Adams, hashtag, add grace to your pace. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing we have to do as counselors because we have to get shame out like you were going back to your non-verbal thing um i remember i've heard things as a counselor there's actually this tiktok video that i love because it's this lady and she's like acting like people are calling into heaven to see if like sins are covered and she's like yes that sin's covered that sin's covered and then she's like i ain't never heard about that one and then she like looks over to the angel and she's like and she's like, yep, that sin's covered. She's like, that sin is covered. She's like, don't look back. Don't go seeing because Jesus oh, already God. seen it all. <laughs> and, she <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to need a raise. <laughs> so funny. And I love that because early on, I would hear things that I never thought I would hear in the office. And I, I know that if they see it on my face, any judgment or any like disgust, that immediately I'm going to lose them. And so I prayed very fast. I'm like, and God began showing me immediately. Think about the heart, not the behavior. Think about the heart, not the behavior, because the behavior came because of a problem in the heart. And so like one time it was something really interesting. And I just step back and I'm like, because hmm. God said, think about the heart, not the behavior. <laughs> Let's talk about why that may be. Yeah, yeah. Right. A yeah. lot of people, if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, 
I was tempted to be like, uh-uh, girl, like, mm-hmm. I don't know about that one. Like I wanted to run out the door. Yeah. <laughs> so comfortable yeah. with that topic. Yeah. There you go. But it's so important that instead of judging or thinking about like what we think, but to open ourselves up to help them to understand why they got to that place in the first place. And then they can, once they are, you normalize the shame and get rid of it, then they can absorb godly conviction and yeah. love. And they yeah. can, you know, I always tell people, you don't need to argue about somebody's political view because it ain't going to work anyway. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. can argue till you're blue in the face, you can cry, you can whatever, but it ain't going to work. The only thing we can do is love them, love them to Jesus, and then Jesus changes their heart. It's not our job to decide who people vote for, but they need to have a relationship with Jesus to help them to process through. And um, I tell people that at church sometimes in Sunday school when they get into it and they're like, "Mm." (laughs) but I'm like, it's true. I've never heard anybody being argued out of a political view. It actually makes them more mad. So, but when we focus on leading them to Jesus, then Jesus changes the heart, changes the thoughts and the mind. So that kind of reminds me of uh, a quote that Susan O'Connor, who's the president of Brain Injury Association of America, when she was talking about brain injury one time, she was with Bob Woodruff and his wife, and they were doing an interview when Bob had suffered an IED bombing mm-hmm. when he was on the scene reporting. And she said, brain injury is often invisible mm-hmm. since changes are on the inside. So again, how we need mercy on ourselves and on others and to add grace to our pace because the stimuli in the world is becoming way beyond what is manageable and wisdom has left the stadium. Mm. So we need to change choices and let care become more of the pivot of why we do what we do rather than the self-absorption at that moment of self. Exactly. Because it's not about what we know. It Mm -hmm. really is not about what I know. Like, I guess I know some stuff because sometimes I surprise myself when things come out of my mouth. Um, When I need to know it, God gives it to me. But I've heard my clients say that what, what we connect with you the most is that you're able to build the relationship. Yeah, like they're like I like that I feel like I'm your friend and you're just like a wise mentor rather than you know like sterile they don't want a sterile therapist yeah. I've never met anybody who wants a sterile therapist but somebody who they know cares about him and I think one thing that I think they teach in the counseling world is to separate yourself and you do need to guard your heart right but you have to if we get hurt, trust me, we get hurt by clients because we're dealing with people who are very broken. And, but every time I've gotten hurt, God's been my buffer. Mm -hmm. I can handle whatever comes at me because I've got Jesus inside of me. And sometimes Jesus offends people, even if we do it in love, because we have to speak truth sometimes. But um, yeah, it's just been so, it's been a life, a life learning situation. Like we have to allow our clients, the people that we're working with, to be our teachers. Instead of walking in with this mindset of, we're here to teach you, of mm-hmm. we're here to learn and understand so that we can better help you. Diane Lingberg said, um, first, we need to be the lamb. 
When we forget that we're the lamb and we move into a shepherd role, we become very dangerous. And I love that analogy. We need to approach our clients like we're lambs and lead them to a place where they can find hope. And that's why I like the name of your um, your company. It's hope after brain injury, right? Yeah, like, ooh, what a like, need. Some people don't. They feel like they may never have hope after a brain injury. Sometimes they may never be able to walk. I mean, think about Johnny Erickson Tata. Like she she has she has her mind her ability to talk but that's it she just she can't move her body and Mm -hmm. I remember somehow I came across her book I didn't even know who she was I think it was like a giveaway at a thing and it was like a big old book and I don't read big old books Mm -hmm. I read like the first couple of chapters out of books usually (laughs) like if I really like it then I'll read the whole thing very slowly but I read this big old book. I couldn't get enough of her story. And oh. so like, just like seeing like, you know, to move from that place to um, be able to like have purpose and meaning, that's where we're looking for. And I think I go back to, I'm thinking, going back to when they found you under the white sheet. Yeah. God wasn't done. Amen. Ooh. <laughs> He had such a time as this. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it was never his plan for you to be left under the white sheet because he cool. had so much hope for you to show the world. And the whole time we're talking about all this, I just keep thinking about the miracle song by Colton Dixon. It's my 13 oh, yeah. favorite song. Go ahead and sing it for us. Oh, no. Yeah. That is not live. <laughs> I'll post it in the link below. <laughs> miracles by colton dixon but it's a great song like because we look so often um i don't know if you've ever seen this where you've had people where god did something amazing and they've been like oh why isn't god doing this why isn't god doing this and then god does it and they're like yay now god i need this like they don't stop to really and sometimes i'm guilty of this too like I told somebody recently, I said, it's like, God gave you a Lamborghini and you looked at it and like, yay, now I want a Porsche. Like you didn't really like, (laughs) this is, is, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have said it exactly this way, but some people you have to be a little more direct with. But I was like, literally that is kind of what we do. Like we pray for answers and we're all guilty of it. And then God works this miracle and if we're not careful, we could miss the miracle and move on to the next miracle that we want and become, like you said, very self-focused and not outward focused. Yeah, but what a difference it makes when when it when we do say thank you mm-hmm. and then just live as a conduit and boom, mm-hmm. pay it forward, pass it along. And how can you use the tough stuff we've gone through to help someone else? in a tough stop situation absolutely, and use words when necessary, mm-hmm. but let your life speak a lot louder than this thing we call our mouths. Amen. And I'm thinking about um, this like concept, like count, Christian counselors know that there's actually a chemical change in the brain when we stop and say, thank you, Lord. Like I could feel it in the prefrontal cortex. There's like a dopamine or something. I'm not really into neuroscience. I know enough to do my job, but I would love to learn more. Uh, But 
there's actually a chemical reaction in the brain. The moment we say, thank you, God, it just Mm -hmm. is powerful. And so even when our lives are, you know, in disarray, like my life has kind of been (laughs) a lot of chaos the last year and a half. And what keeps me going is when I can see God working out things, even when some of the big things are not answered yet, but I can look and see the, the things that are the big things are the things that seem like they're the little things are actually the big things. Like yeah. a hug from my 13 year old son, who is very like the other night I was like crying and I don't know, my, my oldest son is thinking about not moving with us. So and he keeps going back and forth. And so in a year and a half with lots of loss, it's been a little more than I can handle. So I'm like, sorry, I can't talk about this right now. And so I burst into tears, which isn't like me. And so then my son comes over and he's like, mom, are you okay? Like he's my tender one. And then I'm like, I'm okay. It's just, you know, there's a lot going on. So he goes to my older son, pretends to punch him in the stomach. He's like, what'd you do to mama? (laughs) (laughs) It's those little things that we forget to really see that are the things that bring life the most joy. The the moments where friends and family sit with us when we're in a a painful position and they don't have to say anything. (laughs) A lot of times they just have to be willing to, to listen and you know, you guys listened to me at a time when I literally was beside myself at that conference, like, and God led me. I don't even remember if I, I don't even think I signed up. I can't remember. Or if I just met you and you said, come, I think that's what happened. And I came and watched the conference because I saw such a light in you guys when I was at the conference before. Like, you needed that. Oh, you guys have a light that is so bright and people you just can feel it and that's one thing I love about places like the AACC because there's so many Christian counselors and pastoral counselors and people that are trying to bring Jesus into the world and so you get this amazing amount of light that we Mm -hmm. don't get in our everyday life and um but you guys stood out extremely bright (laughs) And I'm so thankful we get to be, we get to be there again this year in person. Yes, we're so excited. But you know, that brings, I guess, a phrase that I like, and Patty and I strive for this, is we want to be a soft place to land. Because life is hard, and it can be really harsh. Yeah. But if we can offer that soft place to land, we want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are doing a great job. Let me tell you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you just always such an encouraging spirit the life that you guys bring with you is patty the way you speak i've never seen somebody speak like that in my life it's almost like you're 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 almost got this mindset and it could be you're like i almost died and i have nothing to lose so exactly fully for you come on you're on is that pretty accurate absolutely i've died i've been to heaven i've been there he brought me back here. This is the only reason I'm alive here is for him. That's the mm. only reason I'm back here. Amen. That's the Amen. only reason all Huge. of us are here. And we we find ourselves, we're all looking for purpose and meaning. And mm. when we find it, there is nothing better. There's no greater joy than seeing somebody find Jesus. Mm. Like mm. none. 
Um, I have a jar over here in my yeah. office. And in this little glass thing, when somebody accepts Christ or dedicates their life to the Lord, like if they say they were Christians early on, but they walked away, when they go through, a, a, when they first accept Christ or they rededicate their life to Jesus, they put it, um, I have them put a marble in this little glass thing. I don't tell them what it is until they do it because I want to be like, this is crazy. But <laughs> once they, they accept Christ, I'm like, these are all the people that accept Christ in my office. It's a reminder to me of why I do what I do. Okay. I say when it's overflowing, I will retire. Oh, Good. awesome. Sweet. So, Sweet. but it, it's, I mean, you guys are doing that. You're just leading people to the hope that's found in Jesus in a time. I'm so proud of you, baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank no, you. Cheer you on. <laughs> We're glad you're coming to the Metroplex. Oh, yes. I'm excited. We can't wait. I'm all like, hey, honey, we have a, we have two addresses now. So we have one there in Texas and we have one here and we're selling this house and they were getting the kids through a school. I'm like, hey, we can just pack up and go ahead and go. <laughs> I'm so excited. There's so much life in that area and I'm, I'm really eager, but I also don't want to miss out on the I actually have a friend here that's been such a godsend and uh, it was, she's my BSF leader <laughs> and I wasn't going to do oh. BSF because it was virtual and I wanted to meet people in person. So I kind of fought and then God's like, can you just get over yourself and go to BSF? <laughs> and so I went and she's the most encouraging, sweet friend. And, um, and so I was telling her, you know, it was going to be pretty easy to leave here until I met you. <laughs> Oh, so there are good I don't want to miss those good. those good okay. points because there's a there's a season even That's when right. we think about like I've been telling my husband it's been kind of like we're on a, a we're in the we're in the wilderness headed to our land flowing with milk and honey and we had to stop we didn't know that the, the destination was Texas right but we were like there's a reason God brought us here and I just think about how often, like, even when we read the Israelites in the wilderness, there were still good things that were happening in their midst. It was just harder to see it. So when we're in that wilderness and there's nothing like a traumatic brain injury to put us in a place when we have to relearn all these things, what a wilderness that is. Yeah. Like you're saying she was only in the hospital 180 days, but the recovery was, I'm like, being in the hospital 180 oh. days is like forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and all the months after all the years after recovery is so long so mm -hmm. hard on and on but you know patty you do it with grace thank you and i really appreciate that thank you you don't have to do it that way but yes. you do thank you and i think one of her keys is that she's always in touch with the lord jesus and that's that makes all the difference amen my lifeline i i agree you do it with grace and I try so hard to do it with grace. Um, some days I'm not as graceful, but I know if I get up in the morning and I'm like, oh, you know, I'll skip Bible study today. I, I know I shouldn't because I know that it's like my light. And when I don't stop to absorb the light, God led me to an amazing scripture this week in devotion where it's like, I think it's Proverbs 2 where he's talking about that we are to call out for wisdom that we are to seek him like hidden treasure mm -hmm. and i thought so often we want god to answer these prayers of ours 
but we're just like, God, why aren't you answering the question? He's like, you're not seeking me. In fact, you're Aww. definitely not doing it like hidden treasure. If, if there was a thousand dollars, you know, and you could like, how much harder would you be working for a thousand dollars than you are seeking me right now? It was just like, hit me so much of like, there's so much action that he calls on our end too. Yeah. And I'm like, there's that whole thought of like, you know, God can move the mountain, but you first have to pick up the shovel. Oh, <laughs> you can't just be like, God move the mountain and refuse to pick up the shovel. So, yeah. but you guys were yep. a blessing. Thank you. Any and final Macy, thoughts? Yes, Macy was thanking me, but she needed some attention. Aww. So I had to pick up little Macy. So she says, hello, everyone. My dog's Wait. not allowed in the therapy office because okay. he goes, he wants out and then I have to you know take care of him he's cute though but as soon as he thinks he hears life anywhere outside of this room he's all done uh, <laughs> he has been in here before um my I have a home office and there was um yeah he's comforted people before but um he's just not trainable <laughs> yeah okay and so yeah not trainable in some way. So, so what hope would you offer to anyone who is living through a really difficult situation? Like they just had a family member who's been hurt or they've been hurt, or they're just now getting out of the hospital and they're, they don't know what to do now. They need meaning, they need purpose, they need answers, and they feel lost in their wilderness right now. I think, honestly, the best example of that is when Thomas didn't believe Jesus. Mm. And then Jesus came to him and he showed him his scars. And I think our scars tell a story and they tell a story of healing and hope and encouragement. And what I would share with people that are just now in that wilderness, you may not want to hear that right now. But the truth is you're going to get through, you're going to be successful, and then you'll know you're recovered or very close to it when you want to give back. And it's in those, when you show people your scars, that they are healed. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's a really good, um, I love the Thomas story. Mm -hmm. oh. Why do oh. we need to see the scars? We're mm -hmm. so doubtful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and God's willing to show us when we need it yeah yeah and to be be accessible be approachable to put yourself out there uh to give and receive love it's kind of it reminds me of there's an acrostic that i wrote called it's of the word thrive and it's how i try to to live since my crash and learning to live again and thrive for me each letter t Try again, dot, 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 and don't give up. There you go. H, have faith in God even when it makes no sense. Mm. R, receive love and give love. I, Amen. intentionally let your audio match your video. What people see and hear match. Yep. V. Very 
consistently be about what matters. Very, actually, steadfastly be about what matters. And then E, embrace adversity, dot, 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 and do the next thing. It's awesome. I'm going to need you to send that to me because I, okay. <laughs> I didn't want to be looking down, writing it down, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to write that fast. But I want to use that in my sessions. Okay. That's beautiful. Let me write myself a note because I will forget. I forget everything. I literally, in sessions, I'll think about things that I need to say. So I'll put up like three fingers. And then mm -hmm. like, that way that, that helps me. I have like, I have some things that to store long-term very easily. Like my client's stories, mm -hmm. like I take notes, but I don't need to because I, I have this ability to remember almost every facet of their life. Like I'll have somebody come back after three years and they'll talk about their brother and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, Jack. They're like, how did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a crazy thing. Um, but there's other things I have a hard time with, like appointments. And I think it's the ADD thing. God gives us this hyper focus on the passion that he gives us. And everything else is like, woo. <laughs> that's just kind of my, that's my world. Well, um, okay. So share quickly again, where people can find your materials, because I will tell you that the book I read about your story was absolutely phenomenal. And I know that you wrote a devotional, but I'm going to find it and buy it. Sweet. And <laughs> the children hurry up because my daughter. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Okay, great, great. So go by pattyfoster.com, P-A-T-T-I-F-O-S-T-E-R.com. And you can go by my books page. Excuse me, I have lots of books that I've written chapters and lots of books, audio books I have voiced, uh, and then my full books about coping with traumatic brain injury, which is my raw story, as Dr. Adams mm -hmm. said, Hope for the Journey, boom, a weekly spiritual journal, and be sure, get a journal along with it so you can write more. You can be as deep or as shallow as you want, as truthful or as not truthful as you want, your <laughs> Uh, but also, Hope After Brain Injury, incredible books you guys have on the resource. Mm -hmm. We have uh, books, resources for survivors, healthcare professionals, and for family members. Yeah. It's hopeafterbrainjury.org. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, my books are also available as ebooks. So just put my title in anywhere you get your ebooks. So I have like Coping with Traumatic Brain Injury, Hope for the Journey. Chicken Soup for the Soul, just put my story in theirs. The only traumatic brain injury hope uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul book that's out there. Uh, Getting Things Done, Successful Women Speak, uh, Amazing Faith, mm. Modern Day Miracles, 50 Modern Day Miracles Told Around the World. I got to voice that book as well. Uh, Spiritual Woman Pray. My story is number 25 in there. Um, and I'm sure there's more I just cannot remember. But the children's book is going to watch for the title, the children's book, The Adventures of Head Trauma Hero. 
that oh, that'd sounds be fun. Really good. Yeah, that'd be great. Hopefully our kids will never need it, but I see like my daughter's always, I'm like, you need to wear your helmet when you're on your skateboard to go out Definitely. there. Why are there helmet out there? I remember one time my son hit a mailbox on his bike and he, uh, he literally would have been in serious shape had he not had that helmet on. It cracked, the helmet cracked. Um, and he said he was seeing stars, <laughs> like he would have been in really bad shape. So yes, all these things are so important um, that we, we just sometimes yeah. think it'll so, never happen to us, don't we? Yeah. Thank you so much for having us, Crystal. Yes. Thank you, Crystal. And thank you for your ministry. It's uh -huh. absolutely wonderful. You thank are you. a blessing. Can I pray for you guys as we end? Oh, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for these precious women. Lord, I know that you love them so much and you're so proud of the way that they're stepping out and they're they're living for you and they're being a light for you. And Lord, they're being the hands and feet of Jesus to anyone that you send their way, including me. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I want to pray for them that you will protect them in so many ways, Lord, that you'll put a hedge of protection around them emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And Lord, I pray as they, they have so many things that they're working towards books and, um, and meetings, and they have different kinds of um, activities that they do with people who are currently um, living with the difficulty of traumatic brain injury. Lord, I just pray that you continue to pave a way for them. Lord, that you will, you will be so present and that you will lead all the right people to them, that you will give them the words that they need when they need it. And Lord, I do thank you that they were able to take time out to be on this podcast, Lord, and that you will use this podcast to speak to even just one person, Lord. If one person is encouraged through this podcast, we are so grateful. But Lord, we pray that you will use it across the board and that anyone who needs to hear this, you will get it into their hands. And Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that you've allowed us to be ministers of your grace. Lord, it's such an honorable and um, humble and wonderful place to be. And Lord, I thank you that you loved us enough to heal each one of us. And Lord, I thank you, especially for saving Patty. Lord, just the power that she's had in my life Lord has been astounding and the impact that these two women are making for your kingdom is astounding. Lord, I thank you that we can have purpose and life and hope through you, through your son, Jesus. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, baby. All right. Well, yes. Texas next time. All right, good. Okay, remember, add grace to your pace. <laughs> yes. All right. Talk to okay, you guys. Love you. Love, love you, honey. You. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.